Uh, when just, when your podcast is like just two dudes talking, it's very easy to just kind of fade into the podcast without realizing it. Hey everyone, welcome to Fields of Work. It's a podcast about fields of work, um, hosted by two brothers. One is tall, handsome, older, and mustachioed. He is. And one of those sad. was a lie. <laughs> The other one yeah. is not those things. Wow. For How the, would you describe I'm, yourself in uh, hyperbole? In hyperbole? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, uh, I would, I was going to use tall, strong. Are you tall, you're taller than me, right? Yeah, by like an inch. Because really? in the Sperlin family, no one's really tall. Well, no, but there is, I mean, there is a little bit of, you know, range uh, among the five of us. We're not all exactly the same height, which would have, like, would, would simplify <laughs> things, I think, for us if we were all the same height. But uh, what does Nate? We're very close. Nate's the tallest, I think, right? Yeah, Nate and Nate and well, Nate and Dad, I think. That is bullcrap. Dad, right now, it is bullcrap. Dad's tallest, though. That's a shrink. It's not shrinking. Do you always? What do you say? You say you're five ten. Yeah, I'm five nine. What do you say? I always say five five nine. Yeah, Yeah. Ah, this is a good podcast. Good. All right. Well, good one audio. is with all those awesome things I said, and the other one is, is me. Is, is honest. Is, is honest. <laughs> a hard work. A hard working farmer who doesn't tell lies. One by is a, one is the um the the big brother, and one is the little brother who looks up to the big brother in every mm-hmm. conceivable way. One of them is the the backbone of this podcast. Are you? Uh, the other one. <laughs> it's a good a good interviewer. I'm also I'm I'm doing a visual thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) for our audio podcast as I try to make the case that I'm the backbone. Yeah, okay, you may have a you may have a you may have a point. Um, all right, Max, let's check in. Sam, let's check. Check in. So as I wrote this question, I realized um, it may be somewhat unfair to you because of our uh, age difference and the, the the amount of time it has been since this uh, is relevant. But the question is, what's one thing that high school you would be surprised that present you is into? So I graduated in 2005, so I'm almost 20 years, eh, 17 years removed from, from high school. Uh, you, you graduated like two years ago, so. Not quite, but... Eight, yeah. eight years ago. Eight years ago. All right. So what do you um, think? What's something that high school you would be surprised that present you is into? Man, I don't know. I mean, my main my main one was going to literally be, and I think it was because when I graduated high school, I would, did not have farming as my vision for what I was going to do. Obviously, I like the outdoors, but I don't think anything in our garden or anything really correlated to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit. So what I feel like- mean, What did I you just, think you wanted to do when you were in high school? Did you have a sense? Um, not entirely. I think, I mean, this does kind of bump up against farming. My, my main thought was, um, I wanted to do something where I thought I'd be working outdoors, um, more than behind a desk. And so, right. I guess um, the uh, one year of agriculture or not agriculture, forestry, uh, major, yeah. right. So that's kind of what I went into forestry and wildlife ecology as kind of my mindset thinking like, you know, I'll do something in that vein. And, um, what ended up removing me from mind or what changed my mind about staying at Michigan Tech was just like all the the jobs that people came to talk about that had at least a forestry degree um you know first off weren't high paying and so instead I chose farming which really just kept that going nice nice (laughs) but uh, problem solving skills that you got there yep I made a lateral move and then the other thing was just a lot of them (laughs) yeah at past that was actually probably being generous to farming um and then the other thing was that most of those jobs were just actually pretty desk heavy and maybe one field work day of going out and walking around and, and doing, you know, at least for the certain jobs I had heard. Um, so I was also paying a lot of money and it was just decided that it wasn't necessarily going to pay you off. You didn't want to become corporate strong like me? No, no. I thought I'd learn <laughs> from my older, you know, and uh, not pay the, 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 the college for that one. But so, I mean, I'd, I really had no uh, concrete vision, um, of what it was that I wanted to do. And, you know, that kind of shows <laughs> well, <laughs> how I, mean, I you've, stumbled you've charted a path for yourself. Yeah. And it's, you know, stuff. I'm, I'm doing stuff and it's, I've been doing something at least semi-consistent for the past six years now. So, yeah. um, I think just in general, if I knew that I, you know, if you told me like, Oh, you're going to be living on a farm in a tiny house, you know, running like a in an organic, in Tennessee, like not really on your radar. 
No, I mean nowhere, nowhere was off my radar, but no place yeah. really like stuck out. It's like, you know, that's where I'm, I'm bound to go or want to go. Right. Um. So that was one. The other one that I think, and again, both of these are they're not like super. Like I'd be super surprised. I think I'd be kind of pleased if I knew. Um, farming being one, and the other being, uh, ever since you know we were always a book family. We were very yeah. into books. Um, but ever since I've met Kira last summer, I have spent, um, so much more of my time, uh, following, you know, I, I know way more about publishers than I used to. And, uh, you know, books that are coming out weekly and things like that, you know, like just like this, really this world of used books and vintage books and vintage publishers and all these different things. Um, like my entire, um, knowledge, all that has, I mean, quadrupled, um, from just being, uh, you know, we read a lot in our household to now like really feeling like I know kind of a little bit of what's going on and what to look for when we go sourcing for books and stuff. You know, it's been a, I think I'd find, I would find that really cool if I told my high school self that, mm-hmm. but it was not something I think I ever would have imagined. Um, would have that's just great. Brownie points. What would Mr. Crime bring? Give Mr. Crime bring. Yeah, I would have. I mean, I think my English teachers would have been pretty into it. You know, yeah. I would have been maybe more insufferable probably. Right. Probably. Um, Cause I would have talked about, you know, well, that's, I only go for certain publishers or certain prints or, you know, yeah, that would be, that would be super cool. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I mean, I feel like I've been really following a lot of the same interests since I, you know, since yeah. high school times. I guess that makes um, sense. I mean, we don't radic become like radically different people as we age necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm sure if, you know, if we followed this question up in like four or five years, there will be a new thing. Um, that I'm super into. I think this would be a fun question to ask someone like our brother Nate, who picks up fun new hobbies. Um, you know, by, by, by weekly, he is the hobby master. Um, and so he, you know, I think it'd be interesting to hear from him, be like, you know, through all your phases, what's one, what's the most surprising hobby of his? I remember his uh, um, remote control boat phase. Yeah. Well, he just replaced that with a remote control car on the last <laughs> time I was home. So really? he's keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's keeping it in the same world at least. That's funny. All right. What about you? I literally don't have an answer. I don't know why I came up with this question. It's stupid. It's a stupid <laughs> question. Cool. Good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no high schooler dreams of becoming a corporate consultant. So I guess that's part of, partially it. But we were just chatting before uh, we started recording that it's not that wild for me considering, like, I don't know. I liked organizing things and thinking about how things could like work better for like my entire life. So the fact that I do kind of consulting in that realm is not yeah. wild uh, to me. I was going to say maybe like triathlon because that's a relatively new thing for me, but I ran cross country for a year in high school. I didn't particularly like it. So maybe he would be surprised the fact that I'm choosing to do it again and actually enjoying it. Um, do, you, do you think that would come with the, the caveat explanation of that you can't play hockey anymore? Um, safely so that you that if you told your high school self this is hey listen we had to choose something <laughs> and this is where we went <laughs> yeah 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 maybe and i think i mean i've i've only in the last six months or so became like a halfway decent swimmer so the idea mm-hmm. of like doing a physical activity or like choosing to swim as a physical activity would be a bit mind-blowing because i remember like my biggest accomplishment oh man that guy gets hit a dinger in the softball game i, I might have hit a car uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching a softball game while recording while, while, while I'm pcasting. Yeah. Uh, in gym class in high school, we had a pool in our in our school, so there was like a swimming component. And I remember like the final like the final thing we did during the swim module was it seemed like an insanely long swim. Like our gym yeah. classes were a joke in terms of like effort. But I, I remember thinking this is a complete mismatch from my uh, my experience of gym in high school to have to swim this yeah. much. This is radical, and it probably it probably like on, in retrospect was probably like two hundred meters or something. Um, and I you know I do that in my sleep now, no big deal. Yeah, you should see me that's how you... swim while I sleep. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. I guess I guess that's my got answer. Yourself, got yourself a waterbed. Yeah. Um, what do you do, you do? Am I missing something obvious? You knew me in high school. <laughs> Barely, yeah, yeah. You have a better sense of fashion now, um, which we've gone over Why? that. Better. I have a radically simplified podcast. sense of fashion now. I wear basically the same stuff in dark, solid colors for the most part. So yeah. It's hard to screw up. How about would you think 
did you have any desire to live in like New York City when you were a high schooler? Was that a place you ever thought that you were going to end up? Mm, um, no, I never really thought about that. Um, or like going to California for grad school. Like neither of those were really on my radar. I think I assumed I would stay in Michigan um, like long term. So yeah, that, both of those things would probably be surprising. And, you know, I don't know about your, your, I guess I came with work and stuff and I was, everyone always wants to travel, but you've ended up in that time since high school traveling quite a bit, I feel like too. Um, That's true. But maybe, but maybe high school Sam had, had that in mind, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I mean, my memory is just garbage. Uh, so who, mm. who the hell even knows? High school Sam yeah. is a million years ago. Yeah. Feels that way. <sighs> well. We got it. We got ourselves a good segue here. Oh, I just thought of my. I was actually oh. thinking of a different answer. One last thing that I was going to say: the fact that yeah. I still play real-time strategy video games. I just looked up when StarCraft Two came out, thinking that maybe that was a high school thing. It it came out came out in 2010, so no, it came out afterward. So I must have been playing more first StarCraft, Brood War, and um, Warcraft Three in high school. And you know what? I still I still crack into StarCraft Two once or twice a week, uh, even now at, in my old age. So there, boom. Does that does that scratch an itch of the organiza- organization side of your brain of like? No, I feel like those you know those strategy games don't. No, do they're way too you. stressful. They're way too. F- no. You have to play them too fast if you want to play them competitively for it yeah. to be. I mean, sure, I like strategy and I like I like learning how an intricate system works. Actually, I'm convincing myself to agree with you as I talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> learning how a system works. I'm very competitive. I like to play against other people and beat them. Um, and actually mostly lose, but sometimes, sometimes beat them. So yeah, I think, I think it taps into all those things. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, a second ago, you, you went ahead and, uh, just knocked my perfect segue off the tracks. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I segue right back on the tracks. Segways don't need tracks, Max. They are gyroscopes. No. You see, I started, I started a metaphor or, I don't know, analogy, whatever I was going for there and I really lost it. Wait, what was um, that? I didn't even hear what you said. I was just that you were talking about how you're a triathlon boy now, and, uh-huh. and I thought maybe we should go ahead and acknowledge that you have competed in your first triathlon. Oh, we're going to do me first? Uh-huh. My update Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a little mix-up. Oh, people are not prepared for this. They're, they know yeah, because usually, usually they skip either one or the other half <laughs> yeah, they're gonna of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get a whole bunch of people who normally end this podcast very early because they yeah. quit after they hear you update trying to like fast forward to when you start talking. You know what? Yeah. If I was a good podcast editor, I'd say at this point you can hit the chapter forward button. It'll take you to max. I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to make you, make you listen through this or do kind of old fashioned scrubbing through it. Deal with it. Um, yeah. Or maybe what is more likely is that the people who are normally doing that, trying to find the part where I start, they're going to get a little bonus. They don't have to worry about it. They just like, just keep listening and then they can yeah. get it early. Yeah. That's nice. Anyway, yeah, so I did a triathlon. Gonna... I did it. And you, did you win? Yeah. I won. In, I, won I, I was only competing against myself, and I beat myself. Uh, good answer. Yeah. What was your What was your experience like? This is your first ever triathlon? You've done first, one before. No, I've not. I've done a, no. I've done a duathlon before. A duathlon, yeah. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Um, but this is a first. That was like back in college. Um, so this is my first ever triathlon. It was just a tiny, short little boy um, called a sprint triathlon, which is... Uh, did you do a lot of sprinting? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I did not. <laughs> um, and actually, I would call what I did a sprint plus triathlon um, because I screwed up. And I did twice the amount of bike that I was supposed to do. So instead of riding my bike for 12 miles, I rode my bike for 24 miles. Which is that's gonna set you back. It's gonna set you. It's gonna set you back. Um, <laughs> I don't know but, much about triathlons. <laughs> honestly, like I'm not. I mean, I'm a little annoyed because it was a stupid mistake, and I should have known better, or, like prepared better to know like why it happened. I can go into the details about why it did, but um, really, this triathlon and the one that I'm doing in a couple of weeks, I, I'm seeing both of those as just like practice runs for the real deal that I'm doing in September. So the fact that I did extra bike when I was unprepared to do so and was okay and was able to get off and run a normal 5k um, even though I didn't have as much I only had one water bottle on my bike because I thought I was going to be out there for like 45 minutes at the most not you know the hour and a half roughly that I was out there um, so considering all that I did I did fine um, so, so yeah well what, what do you want to know I want to know uh it's, it's race day what's your race day prep so well first off this this race was it in 
Uh, Virginia, Virginia we... but it was like two hours away. So the night before, Emily and I drove down there after work and went to the race site to pick up my packet. Uh, my race number was 404, which I think is funny nice. from like a tech perspective. That's the yeah, that's... page not found error code. Uh, yeah. the, volunteer not found. Who, the volunteer who, who handed it to me looked confused when I laughed uh, at it. Yeah. I, didn't, I decided to not try to explain it to them. Because it wouldn't like have really been a joke. Yeah, it wouldn't have really been a joke. I don't think they would have thought it was funny. Probably. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really. It's not really a joke with a punchline. It's just like a funny coincidence. If you, I don't know. That, see, this that's is how why I, I didn't try to do it. This is that's how I describe <laughs> our. That's how I describe our podcast. Yeah, it's really exactly. not a joke with a punchline. <laughs> no, no, it's just yeah, it's just a bunch of setups over and over, uh, yep. with two guys who think they're funny. Uh, so I picked up a packet. We kind of checked out the location and like saw where the bike transition or where, where the transition is, um, like where the swim like it goes in and goes out. Then we went and got did dinner. You, yeah. Did you find any shortcuts? <laughs> I mean, Mario I guess Kart I, style? I guess if I, uh, if I really cut. looked, I could have looked for some shortcuts. Yeah, I tried to find where they hide all the items that we throw at each other. Yep. Um, you know, so I got the lay, lay the land there. Went to Panera, ate a sandwich. And then we went back to the hotel, went, went to bed nice and early because I had to get up. Actually, I didn't have to get up early because this this race only, this race only had an Olympic and a sprint, which are both relatively short um, distances. So it didn't even start until like nine. A lot of the longer triathlons start very early because they want to get you out and trying to do as much as you can before it gets too, super hot. Um, so the fact that it was at nine meant I could get up at my normal time, have that holiday and express breakfast of oatmeal and whatnot uh you know do my my normal morning ablutions and then uh we went <laughs> i just heard emily laugh in the rest in the in the bathroom <laughs> it's a good, word, right? good vocabulary yeah. um, what were your more what are your morning ablutions do you really what want me that? to go into detail i don't know is it gross <laughs> i mean there's a there are some normal bodily functions yeah. that generally happen in the morning that would be beneficial to take care before of race. before doing a race for sure, I was so my sure normal my normal timing. Met. I'm just saying I was able to keep to my normal timing. That's good. If, That's if good. You know That's important. I, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that can affect the race. Um, yeah. So we drove the the race site was like half an hour or so, kind of into the wilderness um, in this like rural area. Park, get the bike off the car, go check my bike into the transition, and kind of like lay out my transition area, which I've obviously never really done before. So I kind of felt like I was copying the people around me and I at first mm -hmm. like felt like I should do it slyly then I was like wait why like who cares like I'm not actually racing any of these people so I was yeah. more obvious about like copying them and just like thinking through logically like all right how do I want to have my stuff laid out so that I can easily you know put it on take my bike off the rack that sort of stuff um so did that dropped off my bike and at that point i had like over an hour before i had to even really start warming up like we got there with plenty of time and the sprint triathlon started after a half hour after the olympic uh triathlon so i had even more time so that way you can catch them right that's yeah, how it works exactly just to, just to catch them. yep <laughs> so we just found some place to hang out and then eventually i started you know warming up a little bit and um you know, do like putting on my wetsuit, covering my arms and conditioner and my legs and conditioner to help me take my wetsuit off at the end of the race, which is a fun little triathlon hack that I've learned from my coach. Nice. Um, and putting a bunch of body glide all over like my collar, like my shoulders and my neck and stuff, because apparently wetsuits will chafe you there. Um, I forgot, though, to put body glide on my nipples, which is really Ooh. what you need body glide for. Yep. Um, so at the end of a 5k, like a 5k is not a long race. Like it shouldn't take me longer than like 30 minutes ish tops. But at the end of that 5k, as I'm wearing my, my, you know, my tri, my, my tri suit, my triathlon suit, man, my nips were starting to feel it. If I had to do a 10k, I might've lost my nipples. The yeah. nips like straight up falling off. I thought um, you had learned that from your half marathon. Oh Didn't yeah, sure. But that was also a very the... long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so that will not make that error again. So I got my wetsuit on and then I went and hung out in the water for a little bit because I knew it was going to be cold as hell. And it was. So I wanted to like get that shock out of my system bef like before jumping in to like actually start swimming and racing, which was a smart mm -hmm. move. So I warmed up a little bit and then we just kind of got in line to start. They're doing a time trial start. So it's not like we all like line up and start like on a whistle. Basically, we start, we get in a single file line roughly in order of swim proficiency. So I put myself way to the back 
And um, they kind of like let people go like every two or three seconds, they let another person into the water, uh, which was, I think I put myself in a pretty good spot. I don't know that anybody passed me in the swim and I definitely passed a few people, which was surprising. Um, and this was the first um, open water swim that I've done of really any distance. A couple of days before I met up with my coach in a ridiculously cold body of water. And that was my first official open water swim in a wetsuit. And it was like 10, 15 minutes long only. Like I barely did much of anything. I just wanted to like get the experience of, of that. And he kind of like gave me some pointers. Because one of the things that I have not practiced swimming in a pool is sighting. Um, when you're in a pool, you don't have to practice sighting because you're just looking at the paint on the bottom of the pool, right? But in mm-hmm. open water swimming, unless you swim exactly straight, which nobody does, Every few strokes, you got to pick your head up in an unnatural way if you haven't been practicing it and like see and like sight on the buoy that you're swimming toward. Um, yeah. So that I practiced that a little bit a couple of days before, but that was really the first time I had done any sort of sighting. So right now, like that's the thing I really need to work on because right now I either I either don't pick my head up high enough or quickly enough to like like I, I either like. I'm too worried about breathing, which means I don't really get a good look at where I'm going, or I'm too slow at looking at where I'm going, and it messes up my flow of my of my uh, my stroke. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it was a relatively short swim. It took me like 17 minutes, I think. To what's to the do. what's the distance on the swim? It was 750 yards. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was pretty straightforward. I did I, I didn't like swim the wrong way or anything. A couple of times I had to like breaststroke and tread water just to like make sure I was like still heading towards the right buoy and stuff. But I didn't, I didn't have to like resort to any of my emergency strokes where, you know, like, Oh my God, my heart's going to explode. I need to like side stroke or like backstroke for a while. Like I was able to just swim normally, which feels like a win. Like I wanted to come out of the water feeling like, Oh, I probably could have gone a little while longer, Um, which I think I did except, except I was also very happy to be done swimming. Um, So, (laughs) Um, you know, that's something to keep in mind when I have to do literally double the distance in this race in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's fine. Um, so I came out of the water, uh, for the first couple of steps, like it's very weird to like be swimming relatively hard for 17 minutes and then suddenly stand up and like start running. Um, it's, it's like a very wobbly experience. Um, so started running toward the bike transition, stripping off my wetsuit, taking my wetsuit off, getting on the bike, getting going. And then I felt like I feel confident on the bike. So I was happy to like with the swim behind me, which is my least confident thing to like go do the thing that I think I'm actually kind of good at. Um, bike was so good. In- you just couldn't get off. Exactly. So right. Just I just wanted to more. keep going. Yeah. So this was, this, so this course was a 12, a 12 mile loop that the sprint athletes were supposed to do once the Olympic Olympic athletes would do twice. Um, so Getting near, I have a little bike computer on my handlebar, so getting near the 12-mile mark, I was like, all right, we must be finishing pretty soon. And a confluence of things happened all at the same time. One, I didn't realize that it was going to be a left turn into the um, finish area. I also mm-hmm. thought the Olympic uh, athletes had a like special turnaround for, for where they start their second loop. Um I don't know why I thought like they had like a hard, they had a hard left and like that started their second loop as opposed to like that would be into the finish area. And there was a sign that like was pointing to the left that said I I had, I had way too much text. It was not readable, but one of the things that it said was second loop. And I was like, so yeah, does this much. And at the exact same time that I was coming up to it, two really fast people on very nice bikes immediately like kind of like made a hard left there i'm like oh these are the olympic athletes like getting ready to do their second loop which if i had used my brain like wouldn't have made any sense because it would have meant they were finishing their first loop as i finished my first loop even though they started way ahead of me like i like that makes no sense but in that like tired foggy brain i didn't really put it all together i was in my mind i was like okay they're turning here they're doing another loop our finish must be just like just like just past this (laughs) <laughs> so I just kept going and then I hit like 13 miles and then like 14 miles. I'm like, Oh no, I really screwed this up. And I didn't want to turn around because they hadn't, the roads we were riding on were only blocked off from traffic on one half. So I didn't want yeah. to be riding with traffic. I also didn't have my phone with me, so I had no map. So I, by the time I had decided maybe I should turn around, I didn't actually know if we had made any other turns. Like I feel like I would just get utterly lost. 
So it's like, I'm better off just staying on the course where I see other bike riders and just, you know what? Like the 24 mile ride is not actually very long. Most of my training rides are much longer than that. So I know I'm completely able to do it. Even though I only brought one bottle, I didn't really drink very much of it on the first lap. So I should be fine from that point of view. I, what I wasn't fine with is that I didn't put any sunscreen on and I didn't anticipate being out there for another like 40 minutes or so. So I started to get a little sunburned. Um, but, and I, I think I used my anger. Oh, and the other, the main thing is that Emily's waiting for me to finish the, the bike, right? Like she's waiting to watch me come off the bike and like start the run. And I have no way to tell her that I'm not, I, I'm not coming in anytime soon. Like I'm going to be out yeah. here for another 45 minutes. So I was like, oh my gosh, like she's going to be so worried. She's going to be like, she's like, where is like, is he like dead on the side of the road or something? So I felt terrible about that. And I was like, all right, I got to fly through this second lap so that I can try to get back as quickly as possible. So she doesn't freak out. Luckily, Emily has no clue whatsoever when I was supposed to come back from that bike ride. She, she, she was very <laughs> oblivious as to like when I should be coming back, uh, which was cool. And because I was worried, like, as I finished, the, as I finished the second lap and I actually went to where I was supposed to, I thought she was gonna be like sobbing and like looking super oh, worried. No, she's sure. like, cheering and like, like, woo, all right. I'm like, wow, she has no <laughs> clue that I just did two laps, which was fine. Uh, and probably for the best, honestly. Uh, she, she was just thinking, well, he looks really winded for that 12 mile bike ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then, but as you can imagine, like, all right, I'm so stoked to be off this bike now. I think I'm noticing a theme in triathlon is that basically you're very excited to finish whatever discipline you just did and like go do the next one. Like I was very done to be swimming, very done yeah. to be riding bikes. Like, all right, cool. Now I get to run. But I had two concerns. One, I had just proven to myself I had no frigging clue what the course, the course. was. <laughs> right. I had lost all confidence in my ability to navigate the course. I didn't actually know what the run uh, course was like. Two, I, 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 once I got out there, I kind of figured it's an – I realized it's an out and back. Um, and again, so like for the Olympic athletes, they do two laps of this out and back. At some point, there's going to be a sign for the sprint athletes to turn around because we're just doing a 5K. And I was like – maybe they've taken down the signs for the for the sprint people like because i'm obviously way behind i just did an extra 40 minutes on uh the bike like under they've probably taken down all the sprint signs and now i'm gonna end up doing a 10k and i was not gonna double my run no matter what i was not prepared yeah. to do a 10k so i had my watch with me that was showing distance so even if if they had taken down the signs i was just gonna make the executive decision to turn around at the halfway point and just do the actual 5k Luckily, yeah. the signs were still up. There are still plenty of sprint athletes out there because um, there, are, you know, there are all sorts of um, levels of athlete doing this. So there were some of the slower sprint folks who were still out there. Um, but I finished the I finished the run fine. Like, I was pretty I was pretty tired because I went pretty hard twice on the bike because at the end of the first lap I went hard because I was like, all right, I'm gonna finish hard. I'm done. Like let's go in strong to the run. And then I inadvertently had to do a second lap. So at the end of the second lap, I again finished kind of hard and did the whole second lap pretty hard because I thought my my fiance would be sobbing, uh, waiting for me. Again, she was not, which was great. Um, and then I did the run, and I was very glad to be done. And I ate a small pizza that they gave me at the end, like a whole pizza. Small, no, a, a personal like four a little slicer. They had, oh, okay, yeah. They had a little Jets. Was it? It was Jets, I think. Papa John's. I don't know. They had some sort of like food truck out there as part of the athletes got little pizzas. That's nice. Yeah. They knew exactly what you would want. Yeah, and actually, at first, I was like, I don't want this. This is the least appetizing thing. Like, I feel kind of terrible right now. I'm like dehydrated and hot. And then, like two minutes into it, I was like, actually, I'm holding a pizza. I'm gonna eat this. And then yeah. my tummy was not happy. <laughs> I can imagine. I feel like when I finish a long workout. I am, uh, I am ravenous. I mean, but after the only time I ever ran a half marathon at the end of it, I remember feeling like I could have eaten anything. Anything they put in front of me would have eaten hundred percent. I felt gross. Like I did not feel good, but I would have, I would have, yeah. I would have eaten just about anything. So, yeah. So all in all, it was good. You know, on the one hand, it was like confidence building in that I did my first open water swim and I didn't drown. I did double mm -hmm. the bike and did fine. The, the run was fine, especially given how long the bike was. And, and if I was doing it for real, I would have had more water and probably taken um, a little bit of nutrition on the bike. Um, but also the, the, the humility uh, inducing part of it was 
you know, at the end of this relatively short swim, I was pretty done swimming and very glad I didn't have to do more. At the end of this yeah. bike, you know, this longer bike, I was rightfully ready to be done riding my bike. And at the end of this quite short run, I was very glad to be done with this run. And um, it only gets harder from here. The Olympic is basically double all of these. And the half Ironman is basically triple, uh, more than triple most of these. So and that's the September is the half, the half Ironman? The half Ironman is in September, yeah. What made you, what made you choose this? Uh, I knew you were already into biking. You had run before. What made you decide to do triathlon? And then what made you set the half, the, the half Ironman as you're like, this is the goal. Yeah. I've always been curious about triathlon and like in endurance sports in general. Um, I actually found, I, so I, I, I'm a decent journaler. Um, I go through periods of time where I'm more dedicated to it than others, but one of the things that I had I saw that I had written in my late twenties, I think it was maybe like twenty seven or t probably like twenty seven. I one of my thing, one of my goals that I set for myself was Ironman by thirty, which is outrageous. Um, I did not, I didn't even do any sort of triathlon before I was thirty. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of other stuff on my plate, you know, like trying to like you know get a career started and move across the country and all of that jazz. Um, so, but even back then I was thinking about this would be a cool thing to do. And then, yeah, when I decided like, all right, I for real need to stop playing hockey. Um, I think I, that, that freed up in my mind, like some space to go learn and do a new thing. And I think the sabbatical helped make that space for it as well, too. Like I picked this up, uh, during the, the, my, my, near the end of my sabbatical and, um, gave me some time and space to like start learning a new thing. And I think honestly working with this coach has helped as well too, because definitely swim technique is the, is, is not a thing I've ever really been instructed on. Um, so doing some sessions with him, seeing video of myself and then, you know, working on running form and whatnot. Um, and, but the main thing the coach has done, which I think is what has made this sustainable for me is that, he is the one scheduling, planning out my workouts. Um, and I don't have to think about it. I just have to open the app where he schedules these workouts and do what it says. And he's like looking at how my previous week of training went and like all of the conversations that we've had and what my goals are in, in terms of races. And he's been doing this for a very long time and is a very good triathlete for himself, um, himself that he is able to just like schedule all of this. And I don't, I don't have to think about it because this is the type of thing where like, I would probably get myself wrapped around the axle of figuring out like, well, what is the best training that I should be doing? And like, I would get distracted by like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? And kind of probably lose steam on actually doing the thing. And with having a coach, I guess, like I said, just look at the app, do what it says, get into a routine. Um, and, and that's been going pretty well. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of how I, one of the reasons that my, uh, anytime I've ever tried to get into a gym, I've always kind of fallen off any type of consistency is the designing the workout and doing the right thing, knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of the looking like an idiot at a gym thing. And like, I always thought like, man, if I just probably, well, you know, luckily for me, like Kira is very comfortable in a gym and that has helped, but you know, right. just the idea of being like, man, I just have somebody who this, who loves this and does this and can plan this. And I just have to show up. I like working out. But boy, do I hate spending the brain, the brain it's, juice yeah, to, it's, it's very to make easy it to overcomplicate because like the, the right answer is like anything consistently is good. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's better than, than nothing. I mean, in terms of like actually like being prepared to do a half, a half Ironman, it, it just feels reassuring to know like, all right, someone who has done this many times and has helped many people do this is kind of is in my corner and is helping me figure out how to do this. Nice. Well, that was the longest good. I've ever talked on this podcast. Yeah, that's okay. You, you had you had interesting content, and that's you know <laughs> that's we, nice we, we have to take it. Nice which, no, we just have to take advantage of that when either of us has anything to say. <laughs> um, that's yeah, yeah. that's semi interesting. And how did it feel to? I feel like this is kind of a thing you've embraced, and obviously, I feel like you've written about and want to do more of of like doing a thing that you've never done before. I can't think of the last time. You know, I was trying to think like when was the last time I went and did a thing that I had never done before. And you talked about like, you know, setting up your transition area, not knowing what to do and like looking at the people around you. Um, I mean, how was that yeah. to do to do something like that again? And, you know, is that a yeah. thing that happens to you very often? I mean, it's it was fine because like I've had training days that are more that are longer and more taxing than this race. So like mm -hmm. I've done I obviously I've, I've swum, I've swam a lot. I've run a lot. I've ridden bikes a lot. 
yeah like the right the race environment kind of that was new for sure and like i said setting up transition and whatnot but it wasn't it was it was just kind of fun to like be doing this thing that i've seen like professionals do and like it's kind of putting it all together because when you're training you're generally doing one or two of the disciplines in a day um and it's fun to like put all three together and do the do the whole thing i mean i think a better example of this in my life right now is um the dance lessons that i've been doing yeah uh like that that is like for sure like straight up new experience all the time and you'll get to see the fruit of that in a couple of weeks can't can't wait I'm gonna see this new fruit. and improved this, this new and improved sam mm. who's triathlete dancer <laughs> that's what i've always described you as yeah yeah exactly um no it's it's, it's so, fun to do new stuff oh oh put that on a shirt Sam Sperlin says it's fun to do new stuff. I mean, is that's not that, that's on brand for me, like with experiments and whatnot. So yeah. I mean, maybe the dancing no. part isn't, but I was just saying the beautiful way you articulated that oh, I, that okay. thought it was less not so much the idea itself because I think that is that is you have shown <laughs> proof of that for years and years. Yeah. Um, when's your next race? Uh, soon-ish. So not this weekend, but next weekend, I actually am going to a triathlon training camp that my coach is putting on, which is going to be cool. Like three days of like doing all three stuff in a pretty controlled way, but like stay, it's like far away from me. It's like two hours away. So I'm staying in a hotel and whatnot to do that. And then, um, then it's the wedding. And then, so basically I think I'm, I'm scrolling through my, oh, so June 18th is the Olympic. Nice. I still got a few a few weeks to dial it in. Is that in a fun setting, or is it pretty close by? Uh, it's in Williamsburg, Virginia, so it's a couple okay. hours away. Um, historical Williamsburg, Virginia, which is also the location of the half Ironman in September. Okay, so you'll get a little scope of the course. Exactly. I, that's actually part of the reason why my coach recommended I do this one is that you'll get familiar with the course and like know like where to stay and where to go. And it's just helpful to like be familiar with it all. I know we'll, we'll obviously uh, talk way more about this as the races happen. What are the distances real quick on a half Ironman? Let's consult Google. You don't know that off the top of your head? No, I, I feel I, like that I, would, I thought that should be written up on your whiteboard numbers. That's what you're looking. That's what you're striving for. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah, sure. It is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and a 13.1 mile run. It's a lot. It is a lot. The 56 mile bike. I mean, no that, that is a. It's a lot. Like I've done that distance. I haven't done it after swimming for a, over a mile and then doing a half marathon. But I've at least like seen myself do that distance before, which like uh. helps, right? Um, and I've done a half hour or I've done a half marathon a very long time ago and I've done some swim workouts that in their entirety are like 1.9 kilometers, but are not, but involved plenty of like breaks and stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I see it's, it's within the realm of possibility. I am not there yet. I'm glad I'm not doing this distance tomorrow, for example. Yeah. But if I kind of keep on the trajectory that I have been so far, I think I have a shot at meeting my goal, which is very, it's a very low bar. I think, I, I don't know if I've told you, my, my goal for all of these races, I have no time goal in mind. It's not even necessarily just finish, although it kind of is. It's finish with dignity. I don't, oh, that's nice. I don't want to shit myself. I don't okay. want to yep. cry that much. I don't want to have to crawl across the finish line. I want to hopefully jog across the finish line with something approaching a smile on my face. And if I'm able to yeah. do that, even if the middle parts of the race are very bad, then I will consider it a victory. Finishing with both nipples still intact. <laughs> both nipples still intact. and not Nipples just, and your dignity. <laughs> no bleeding from the nipples. No lack of dignity. Too bad of, of a lack of dignity. There is some indignity I think you just have to deal with, uh, you know, in a tough, tough situation. But, yeah, yeah that's, the, uh, that's the goal. And then if I'm able to do that this season, then maybe I can have some time goals next season. Uh, we'll see. Gotcha. You think, uh, I mean, obviously it's something you'll reflect on after a, a year of doing it or so. But do you think it'll be a thing that you'll do? Continue to do? Uh, I hope so. Year in, year in, year out. 
it's something that I'm really enjoying doing right now. And I like seeing myself get better at the various things uh, over time. And um, obviously I still have lots of improvement potential in front of me. So I'm hoping I can, uh, I can keep it going. Uh, last, last triathlon question. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you listen to anything while you do it? No, you're not allowed to have anything in your ears when you're doing it. Nothing in your ears. What do they think that, what are you going to get extra coaching? I think it's more like they don't want people riding bikes on active roads with headphones in. I mean, that part makes sense. You should be allowed to put them in for you should be allowed to put them in for the run. I mean, yeah, I get I guess so. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not like I'm like competing for a position on the podium or anything, but yeah. I'm going to I'm going to follow the rules, I guess. Did you find some zen, some some enjoyable um, meditation feeling at any point in any of the things you were doing? Swim, no, because I'm not a good enough swimmer for that, and it was all too new. Like swimming around other people, looking for buoys, not there's no, I can't see the bottom. Like there was just way too much happening for any sort of zen there. Uh, maybe the first lap of the bike, where I was like feeling good and being like, all right, I'm almost done with this lap. Probably like three quarters through the first bike, I was feeling like pretty good. Second lap of the bike was just stupid chaos because I was because I was stressed out about missing the turnoff, and then the run, no real zen there because I was too worried about do I even know where the hell I'm going? Are the signs going to be there? My nipples are starting to hurt. I don't. I'm kind of dehydrated because I didn't drink enough on the bike. Uh, I just want this to be done. So no, there wasn't a whole lot of whole lot of zen for me in that race. That's that's fair enough. It's your first race, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. We'll get to try again in about a month. So that's nice. Max, Same. tell me about your strawberries and your hot balls. Hot? Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, my strawberries. Um, uh, nothing. It's just that this is officially strawberry season, um, which is a short-lived season and wherever you live, no matter. Just They always seem to last about a month. Um and is for this that, the field that I picked rocks out of? It is. That's good. Let's bring it full circle. You picked rocks out of this field. And do the, do the strawberries taste particularly non-rocky? They do. Well, you know what? I'm enjoying not kneeling on rocks when I'm picking them. You're so welcome. thank you. I hope you think I, about that every day. I hope you think about your big brother every day you're out there picking straws. And every time I kneel on a rock, I just I raise <laughs> one fist, one fist to the sky and I curse your name. Yeah. Um so yeah, anyways, I will not they, claim that I have gotten every rock out of that field. That's okay. I think it's a, a Sisyphusian task. Uh, I don't think you'll ever you'll ever get all the rocks. Um, but so yeah, they they started uh, officially ripening up last week. And with, with strawberries, it's always like uh, I don't know if I'm going to beat the birds to these or every other birds animal straws. and yeah, everything loves straws. That's true. And so the, everyone's the woodchuck was trying to get in there. The birds are going after it um there's a ton of rabbits on this farm so i'm just thinking like man there's a small part of my brain that's like me might just get none um so last week we officially started getting red strawberries and went in and picked and they are just absolutely pouring we pick every other day it's like okra we're picking every other day the strawberries and it's not even that many you saw that field it's not a big field it's yeah. five beds 50 feet long each and you know it takes us about two hours to pick them almost every day two of us um because we're picking today we picked 40 quarts of strawberries Holy out of there which is cow it's a lot of strawberries for a i mean i hope you're like area. selling a ton of these i first of all i feel like you can sell strawberries for a pretty penny and two you everybody can, yeah. loves strawberries yeah they they there's been a lot of demand for them and as we were posting pictures i was it, a kind of theme with me is that i'm never um uh confident enough in my growing abilities to think that i'll be able to um keep up with the demand of what people want and things like that so yeah. part of it's like people were like oh my gosh you know people are asking to you pick and things like that and it's like well we're not going to do that but people kept asking like you know when are these strawberries coming i kept thinking like i don't want to over promise anything because these strawberries could all just right, overnight birds, could all just melt. Might get them. <laughs> they might just all disappear and so i was kind of like a little worried but as soon as they've come on yeah they they have been selling pretty well um so pretty much just just to customers and to one of our, our wholesale accounts has been buying some and they do sell for quite a bit. You know, we sell them $7 a quart to people. And you didn't have any of these um, last year, right? This is new this year. So that'll help. Yeah. Your, your bottom line compared to last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that too. Really Cause it's kind of been nice to see. Um, but yeah, so we didn't have these last year because they're planted. Right. 
uh, always in the fall before. Um, I'm going to leave mine in the ground and not rip them out this year. I put, put them in that little off to the side area with the intention of trying to let them hang out in this one spot for two to three years and then replant them, um, plant them in that fabric. Will they, will they regrow? Yeah, they're perennials, and uh-huh. especially down here. Even up in Michigan, they, you know, your strawberries will come back. Um, but the goal is to, by planting them on the fabric, they don't send off as many of those runners that will re-root. Mm. Um, and the reason I don't want that is mainly I want to have them be in the area that I need to pick them. You know, I don't want them growing <laughs> right. in the pathways. I want them in the bed top. Um, so we'll see what next year looks like as um, the plants just hang out for the rest of the year. And then hopefully they come back with some with some vigor. Um, and we'll see if the numbers go down. You know, we're tracking it pretty closely of how many courts we pick every week. So we'll see. It's looking like we'll probably end up with, I don't know, 300 quarts out of it in, in the season. Wow. Um, which is pretty good. And I mean, how much last do you week sell for seven bucks a quart, you said? Seven bucks a quart. Or if we wholesale them, we'll do six a quart. Um, so, you know, it still passes the test that we always talk about for harvesting stuff, which is can you pick $100 of it in an hour? Um, and even though strawberries are slow, um, you can pick a hundred dollars an hour because they sell for so much. So, nice. um, that's nice. It is definitely boosting the sales. And they, of and like, they taste good. They taste great. Yeah. They're, they're very good. I mean, we're, you know, the, we are still losing some to birds and, and other critters and, and rot and things that happen, but, um, yeah, we've been, we've had our, a constant court in the fridge basically ever since they started coming yeah. in. So, so jealous. it's, it's a real perk, a real perk to farming. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Are they been, included in the CSA? Nice. You're not putting them in the CSA then. No, we, we did. We, um, okay. this last week we decided to, cause the goal is you want to treat, we've talked a lot about CSA, but you want to treat your CSA members well, because they are the ones that chose to support Invest, you yeah. essentially by buying a share, giving us a ton of money up front to, you know, and there should be some perk to that. They shouldn't necessarily be able to just turn around and go buy $30 a week of produce from right. uh, the store and have it be the exact same thing. So they got first access to all the strawberries as they came in, they got them in their share. Nice. Um, so, you know, things like that are to, the small perks to doing the CSA. And then we're trying to always make sure that if there's something of limited quantity, they get it first. Um, if you, if you don't have anything extra, you. do you like leave them like a little handwritten note? That says, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like a little handwritten, <laughs> a little special note, maybe like a photograph of yourself, maybe without a shirt. Yeah. We've been putting, we've been putting little, little, little nice stones we find in there. Mm, yeah, a little, nice a little thank stones. A little thank you for, for, for choosing us. Yeah. Um, a chicken feather. So a chicken. Fe- yeah. Yeah. Maybe a chicken, maybe one of the chickens. <laughs> everyone, everyone gets, we have any more chickens died. You were on a streak. You're no. chickens. We're finally, we finally stabilized. We stopped the bleeding and, uh, um, we are down. We are, we are at our consistent number of chickens. Um, there's a chicken that we're, we're keep, we're keeping an eye on one. We'll keep you, we'll keep you updated on what's wrong with this chicken. We're not sure. We think it's just been getting picked on and it's kind of like the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Um, the, it's definitely at the bottom of the pecking order and it's gotten some feathers pe- plucked off its chest so you can see it. Mm. And we're, we're in a caught in a debate of, is this just exposed chicken chest? A common question. Or <laughs> is that a, is that a tumor or something growing that's causing oh, it to God. stick out more that we're seeing? So, you know, the age old question, chest or tumor, <laughs> and we'll keep you updated. The games uh, you know. farmers play. Go ahead and submit your answers. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Um, but yes, yeah, so otherwise the chickens, the chickens have been fine. Um, but we've we've been chugging away, chugging away in the CSA. We're, by that I mean we're two weeks in. Um, but you know it's going well. We're working on a lot of the kinks in the system. You know I've luckily have Kira's brain to kind of take the logistics side of things away. And you know we have three pickup locations. We have people who are half shares and full shares. People with half shares picked which weeks they're picking up. Um, different things like that to to kind of handle on the back end. Um, and luckily for me, I've just been able to go out and do the farming side of things, which has been nice um, to just go out and, and harvest and plant and, and do all the things that that I like most about farming. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think, you know, the first two weeks have, have gone well and nice. I'm I'm glad we chose to do it. I think you know, Kira had to push me again into doing it because that whole yeah. confidence thing about ever having enough produce and a thing I always battle with. Right. I was very much ready to just be like, oh, let's just do what we did last year. Um, and that's not how you ever grow uh, as farm unless right. you do something to make those outlets better to, to sell more. And, um, you know, I think a farmer's market will be better this year. I think our orders online will be better. Our wholesale accounts are more consistent, but the CSA is going to be a, a huge boost to, to sales um, overall. So it's nice cool. to see that officially kind of rolling. I mean, in terms of in terms of numbers, um, we've already outsold, you know, 
ourselves through these few months here, like all the way into what we probably did, I think, you know, July or August of last year. We're wow. much yeah. farther ahead. You know, we're maybe not that far. I but guess, well, yeah, but... with the CSA and the strawberries, I mean, both of those are net new things for you guys. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the CSA brings in $4,500 up front and um, the strawberries are, you know, slowly working their way in here to boost the numbers. So I think like we're sitting just under $10,000 of produce sold right now. And for context, last season, we sold $24,000 or something like that of produce. So, or $22,400 or something. So, you know, it's it's already halfway there. We're not into the heavy season at all yet. We're not into the the high money crops. And um, so that should be kind of fun to follow that. And, you know, we're, Kira and I are both watching it closely because it's just good motivation and, and yeah. proof in the pudding that we're doing it. We're doing things right. And, you know, hiring her, on the hours that we have has been worth it because we're seeing, uh, you know, growth, uh, financially, which is a lot of times the most important thing that really keeps yeah. a small, a small business going. But, um, Indeed it does. The, other cool, the other, the other cool thing is that one of our wholesale accounts from last year is meal, which was the meal kit company. And, um, that part of her business has, has changed and she doesn't do that anymore, but she got in as being a, uh, a seller basically of having a spot at the expansion at the airport here in Nashville. And uh, with her idea being like, there's going to be just, you know, you've eaten, you've eaten plenty of airport airport food. I think yes. you're, you would say you're pretty, pretty, pretty knowledgeable in that world. And yes. it's, it's rare that you find if you wanted to eat something semi-healthy or oh, local right. or something like that, there's nothing really out there for you. Or if you're vegan or if you're vegetarian, you know, it's, it can be tough. And so she um, got a contract with BNA, the airport, to do uh, a meal counter, like a meal um, area. And it's mainly just a, you know, it's the food's all made off site and brought in, um, but it's all local farms and ingredients and, you know, just meant to be healthy alternatives of, you know, soups, salads, different things like that that you can get while you're there. And so she really wanted to keep us on as her main farm for that. which is awesome that she reached out to us first above a lot of, you know, she's a close friend of the owners, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know if we'd be able to supply kind of what she needed. So we're on the second week of operating at full uh, capacity for like their official, you know, off the trial run and are going for it. And so it's been great to have just a consistent, like twice a week delivery to them. That adds up to all, what do they take from you guys? Right now we're bringing them mainly green. So it's 15 pounds of like our baby lettuce mix, uh, arugula, baby kale, radishes, turnips, carrots. Um, and then they're throughout the season, they do change their menu four times a year uh, for each season. So as summer comes on, hopefully we'll be able to sell them like some of our peppers and squash and stuff like that. And they have a pretty consistent menu. So it's the kind of thing that I've always, that I like is that she told me with enough advance that I can like, plan the farm around it you know right i'm planting beds of greens just that are just meant for them um right. so it's it's kind of taking away that stress of like oh god oh god i need to get i need to get this weight for them um so you know we could obviously check in a month now and see if it's still rolling okay but yeah. uh, as of now we've been able to, to keep up with it and it's it's nice to just have a, it's like the csa you know it's a steady consistent uh outlet for for our produce so that's awesome well, yeah. next time i fly into uh nashville i'm gonna have to check it out yeah i'll we're flying out obviously for the wedding uh at the end of this month so we're gonna scope it out and see if we can find get some pictures of west glow farm like, oh, i'm not I sure recognize this carrot i remember <laughs> yeah. picking this one i do each leaf each leaf holds significance to me yep. and i will tell the people everyone around me about it um but uh so we'll see i'll, I'll definitely snap some pictures when we, when we go to the airport um, and cool. see what it looks like, but yeah. So I mean, things are. And it's oh, the last thing was the the, the balls part that you said was. Yeah, it's ridiculously balls. hot here, which has been happening a lot of places. But um, it seemed like one episode ago we were talking about freezing, and I was covering stuff, and that was yeah. two or three weeks ago, and we're into heat index was nine, ninety six and ninety seven today, percent humidity. You know, it felt like July. Um, and I mean, stuff that worry make well you worry about July. Oh yeah. It makes you worry about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> the earth, the future, but definitely what the, also the future of my summer. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit of concern there. I think it's going to mellow out a little bit, but it, it feels right now like we're in a July drought, you know, it hasn't rained in probably seven to 10 days and at least like a good rain. And now the super hot outside and it just feels like I'm slogging away in, in July. So yeah. um, the, the one nice thing is that does mean stuff stuff likes warm nights and so all the warm season crops are taking off you know yeah. the tomatoes are doubling in size it seems like every you know every other wow. day so um 
I'll take it for that side of things, but it's been uh, kicking my ass uh, in terms of like getting back into full eight hour work days of working in this weather. You remember what it was like in August and it's, we get to one o'clock here and I'm, I'm really feeling it. You know, a number of times I changed shirts today and like just had to come inside just like to cool down Um, was a little, a little much for this time last year. I don't remember it being like this. Yeah. And um, it is a little, a little disconcerting for sure. Um, and I'm sure who knows that I bet two weeks from now, I'll say how we've had some 40 degree nights and I'm right. scared about it, everything freezing and dying. So, you know, it goes, it goes both ways, but yeah. that is also what farming is. So True. I is, signed on. I've, that is yeah. what farming is. I signed on for a lifetime of that and it's only getting wilder. It seems like season to season. So, you know, rolling, rolling with it as, as best we can. Um, but that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much life on the farm. Cool. Um, any snakes? <sighs> snakes. Well, yeah, yesterday we were driving and the cat, like at sunset just to kind of go around the property. And I didn't, I had my head down reading a piece of mail and Kira like slammed on the brakes and the cat and I missed it. But apparently there was a giant, like three foot long black snake going across the road. Huh. Um, I don't, I, if it was a black snake, that's one of the that's a non-venomous one. So I hope that's what it was. Yeah. Um, real spooky is, I think I told you when I uncovered the field that the strawberries are now in, I had a tarp on it. My other friends were here. It was like July 4th last year. There was a giant copperhead under yeah. there uh-huh. and he slithered away. But, you know, venomous, big boy. Copperheads will pretty much just lay there and let you almost step on them. They're not like very skittish. Uh-huh. Um, they're not like a cotton mouth, which will come after you, which happened a couple of weeks ago. Some guys were here working on a pump in the river and we, someone told them like, Hey, just keep, we do have snakes out here. Keep your eye out. And they got a phone call and like 10 minutes later, a water moccasin was coming down the Creek at them <laughs> and big, like Steve it said, it was very long. Um, and luckily our, the property manager came over and shot it with a shotgun <laughs> and managed to kill it. Um, so the snakes are here apparently, but I've seen signs. I was trying to get the copperhead is I was picking strawberries a couple days ago. And well, one day I heard it slither away. That was horrifying to not oh, see it, God. but to hear it. You know, you just like you just saw the grass move and it go. Into uh, the how woods. do you go in there and pick strawberries, knowing there might be a snake in there? Well, that was before I had weeded really well, and I'm like uh-huh. I've kind of weed weed whacked yeah, away a little bit. So he's kind it. of yeah, I can kind of see what's going on in there. Uh, unlike this, you know, the sweet potatoes last year, where I almost stepped on that snake. Is that was too covered. So, but but so I've I've heard him once, but didn't put didn't put eyes on him. And then the thing I discovered last week when I went out there was it was a snake skin. I'm guessing from that <laughs> snake just kind of laying there, kind of marking like just it's remember kind of that I'm here. A little bit taunting, yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of just always remind in the back of my head of like, okay, the snake is the snake is here somewhere. More than anything, it's it's the ticks right now. The ticks are oh. bad. And again, it's too it's too early for the ticks to be bad. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I might not make it through this summer. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> sounds pretty rough. <laughs> mark this in, in the podcast history of when when things start to get bad here and we'll we'll see you'll be able to see the downfall uh of my summer starting in may may 10th <laughs> yeah but rough but no no snakes I'll, yeah. I'll get a picture of the first snake i i personally see you know yeah good it's important important each is important to have your first snake mm-hmm. that's what like a farmer's almanac is full of i think yep. is just for snakes and i'm sure <laughs> it, usually, it probably has a meaning when you see your first snake yeah. You know, good, good corn that year or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have any, uh, any hot takes on the NHL playoffs? Hot takes on the NHL playoffs? No. I mean, obviously here as a Nashville uh, resident, boy, our boys yeah, didn't quick. look good. That was, that it was, was quick. It was quick. I didn't get to watch many of the games. I had, I had thought about the idea of buying tickets to go see a game. So I'd love to experience could, Bridgestone yeah. in the playoffs. And I couldn't, couldn't get my wallet out of my pocket fast enough. Cause they were, they were out. Um, so that was tough. It was tough to see it fall apart so quickly. And it, I, everyone knew it was inevitable. We knew it was going to happen, but um, it was still, it was still rough. You know, I just want to see Toronto win. I don't want to see Me Tampa too. win. They're winning right I don't, now. Three, two end of the second. Okay, good. I don't want to see the Panthers. Oh, sorry, I don't want to see the Capitals win. I want the Panthers, to, I want win. The Panthers to win as well. Hurricanes, I'd like to see obviously. Their, yeah. They're hurricanes as well. Though. Um, and you know, the West coast, uh, I was kind of hoping for Edmonton, but it seems like they've done, they're struggling and I kind of wanted Minnesota over St. Louis. I'm not really seeing that. Yeah. Um, there's one, Oh, Calgary and Dallas. I don't really have an opinion. Um, yeah, me neither, but, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping 
the Canes or the the Panthers can go far this year. I think that would make me happy. Yeah, I'm with you. And also just, you know, the Bruins losing. The Bruins losing is, Tampa is losing. very, very important. That would just feel good. Yep, I 100% agree. <sighs> so. All right, cool. Well, um, did we do that thing? I think we did the thing. All right, cool. Well, uh, are we going to do this? We're not, probably not going to do this again before I get married. No, Sam will be a married man on the next episode. You know what we should do during the wedding weekend is like just go off and record an episode of the podcast because it's us on the beach. Yeah, yeah. We just pack. I'll pack my microphone, or maybe just pack one microphone. Yeah, we can sit. We could sit around it. You're coming to dinner on Friday. Maybe maybe Oceanside doing then with everybody involved at the table. Yeah, a group group podcast recording. Yep. But well, Eric will be there, and Eric, we have experience doing a podcast together. So that is true. I'm I'm actually he's my two podcast worlds colliding. Yeah, and what mighty worlds they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah the the fan bases of those two podcasts together could maybe be counted on two hands. Mm Hmm. And again, most of them related to us. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them will be at the wedding. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We could just do a live. We could do a live performance of the podcast. Yeah, you know? I think that's a good idea. I think, that's a great I think idea. us just hanging out is a live performance of the podcast. That is true. If you ever see Sam and I in a room talking to each We're other in the podcast, yes. congratulations! You just saw Fields of Work. <laughs> Fields of Work live. Uh, yep. All right, cool. Talk to you later, man. <laughs> see ya.